Yeah, it's nearly half past, I just realised. Yeah. Um, we were chatting, and chatting like we are having. Right, that should be dinging. Come on. And hopefully you can hear this. Yep. Hi, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Non-League Podcast. This is episode 43. We've skipped a week, but I'm back in Gainsborough, and it's Kristen Smith, who's uh, looking forward to have a chat this week. Yeah, good evening, Kristen. James Barker here down in uh, lovely Berkshire. Um, yeah, missed, uh, missed our chat last week. Um, but yeah, let's get back on it this week. And uh, as always, there's a fair bit to talk about. Yeah, um, through one thing or another, uh, last week conspired against us uh, with me travelling on Sunday and then uh, not being available on Monday. Uh, so we decided we'd skip the week. But uh, as you say, I've... I've I'm back in Gainsborough. Uh, I came back last on um, Friday night and managed to get in and saw one of the most boring games of football I've seen in a long, long time. How can I do highlights when it's nil-nil and there are only four shots on target the whole game? Well, that really? should be quite a quick and easy edit then. Oh <laughs> uh, well, the the worst part about it is that we had a penalty about fifteen twenty minutes before the end and. I've never seen our penalty taker miss in two years. And, well, to be fair, he didn't miss. It was saved. Uh, and then, so that was the closest we came. And then, virtually with the last kick of the game, a former striker, our beloved, well, well-travelled uh, Jefferson Louis, or Lewis, I don't know how he pronounced his last name, um, did a little toe poke, which almost crept in at the back post. So uh, he had rather disparaging thoughts about the town uh, when he was for his five or six games that it was here a few years ago. So it would have been a really a kick in the teeth for all our fans had it gone in. And uh, <laughs> I believe you didn't go down to Hampton, but uh, the boys at Hampton are not doing very well. And uh, it's a pity Rob's not here to be able to talk about it. Where did you go? Was it happier times for you? Um, well, living in uh, living in Bracknell and having a having a baby girl, unfortunately, she uh, decided to time her naps and and subsequent feeds um, to the point where if we had ventured to Hampton, we'd have been stuck on the motorways, and yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been pretty. So, I, thankfully, I managed to miss uh, Hampton's four 0 humiliation at home to to Grays Athletic. Uh, I think that results put us bottom of the table now with five defeats from five. Um, so yes. We we uh, we went to Bracknell Town. Um, it's a really good game against Brinscombe and Thrupp. Five goal thriller. Uh, unfortunately, Bracknell were were on the end of that. It was a three two defeat. But there's some really good signs there for Bracknell. They're under a new manager this season, uh, Ed Carpenter, who I think was a reserve team manager last season, and he stepped up this summer because the previous management duo uh, had work commitments that meant they couldn't commit to the job properly. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's you know they, he's not getting the results, particularly at home at the minute. Um, I know in midweek last week they won they won five nil away from home, but it's just it's just trying to get the, that first home home win on the board. But I don't think he'll be long in coming. They they are playing some good stuff, and you know they've got a striker up front called uh, Shane Cooper Clark, who uh, he certainly knows how to goal as he keeps banging them in at that level, and it won't be long. Um, I'm sure it'll be another another respectable. Mid-table finish for them in the uh, in the Hellenic Premier this season. 
Oh, well, that's good. At least you got to see uh, a game. Um, I say anything would have been better than the the one I endured. Um, wasn't the prettiest, but positive. It was clean sheets again for us after leaking six goals in two games in the two away games. So it was, it was nice. Um, lots to talk about. A lot of it all tied in together. And I think you came across a story that was in the non-league paper and was also reiterated on the uh, non-league show this morning by A.D. Britton, um, saying uh, he's at Bath and saying he doesn't think that conference football is viable, which is a, a bold statement considering the competition being going for longer than I've been alive. So I'd, I'd like to think it was. But uh, what did AD really, what's his crux of his argument? Well, I mean, the, the, all the headlines, you know, they say that he said that it's, it's not viable to play in the conference. I think what he basically means, I mean, for those who don't know, AD Britton is uh, director of football at Bath City, um, who play in the conference south. Um, he's, he's basically saying, I think if you read between the lines, that all the full-time clubs that come down, you know, from the football league or all these clubs that are, I've got rich benefactors that are coming up that are full time. I think what he's basically trying to say is, is the part-time clubs are starting to overstretch themselves as they try and, I suppose, try and keep pace with, with maybe with richer rivals or with full-time opponents. And, you know, he, he obviously, you know, he raises the, uh, the point of Salisbury and Hereford who have been expelled this, this time, uh, this summer. And um, of course, Macclesfield town, he, he mentions as well, who, and not not so long ago, we're we're almost in the same in the same position. Um, he's he's basically, I think he's, he's he's trying to say almost that it's it's not fair for the for the clubs that have always been semi-pro to suddenly find themselves in a league where over half of them are ex-football league clubs and are professional, to, you know, full-time teams. And he he probably has got a point to a certain extent. I mean, you know, the Conference Premier now is just it is just a a graveyard for clubs either mismanaged or that just can't compete financially in the football league and find themselves coming coming down you, know, you think of the likes of Macclesfield and Bristol Rovers and Grimsby Wrexham you know the, the list is extensive to say the least of, of full-time clubs down there now and it is effectively division five isn't it and it probably has got a point. He's probably out of the reach of, of clubs, you know, part-time clubs like, you know, he likes of Bath City and, and Sutton United and clubs like this that just don't have have the uh, the finances to go full-time and, and compete properly. So um, I can I can sympathise with him, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. And I've, I've thought for a little while now that the conference premier is, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of an anomaly, really, isn't it? Because it's not—it's—it's it's not a, f- a football league division, but it's almost now it almost isn't non-league, is it? Because, as I say, there's so many professional full-time clubs in there now that it almost—it it almost should now really be renamed as, as uh, you know, div- leagues. Well, I hate to use the uh, the two words there, but league—you know, league three—it really is division five, isn't it? Now, I think. I mean, what you know, what are your thoughts on this, Kristen? Oh. <clears throat> yeah, it has been for a long time. There's been um, the difference with having the two going up uh, into the league gives them a lot of uh, pressure and a lot of. There's a big carrot there for all the clubs to go at. But by the same token, we also know it's not an easy league. 
And is that because of all the clubs that are full-time or is it some of it down to the fact that the quality of the play and the quality of the staff there who are ex-league have raised the game somewhat and so it's not necessarily because these clubs are full-time the five or six or seven that are because there are a lot and I think it's the majority who aren't full-time in the conference it's in the conference now we're not not supposed to call it a conference premier anymore it's now the Vanarama conference again um, and the Vanarama conference north and Vanarama conference south so uh, as far as that's concerned I think he does have a point that it is making it harder and it isn't a laying playing field, a level playing field. But was it ever? You always had the big money men who came in at some point. And I think what we're finding now is that this is the knock-on effect of the Premier League and all the money that's there because you need to be a billionaire to own clubs in the Championship and in the Premier League. And so then the millionaires have shifted down and until eventually they've come down to our level because there are even clubs, uh, you've got them in your league, you look at Margate and Maidstone, they've got big backers and they're another step below the conference. So is it, when we look at it, is it the conference that's not viable or is it actually the way the structure is due to the money that's top heavy that's not filtering down everything else apart from the big money backers who want to do something. And I know A.D. Britton mentioned Plan... Uh, not Plan B. Uh, he mentioned the uh, League B, the B-team league thing. And that this the problems he's saying that there are in the conference really fly in the face of needing the League B. Um, because if you do have these full-time teams down here, they should be able to take the uh, stars of the future and bring them on. And I know two or three uh, clubs around us who've got low knees in, ourselves included, from football league clubs. And so you would expect it, hopefully, to uh, push it on and maybe one argument counteracts the other with you either have the league, uh, the B-team league, or you have a conference that's not full-time or a lot of clubs aren't full-time? Yeah, um, I mean, this, yeah, as you say, I mentioned this, this League 3, this B-League thing, and as he says, you know, it would be the ultimate kick in the teeth for football football at our level. And, yeah, you make some good points there, Christian. I mean, it, as you say, it is, you know, it, a millionaire now cannot take on a, a club in the, in the top two divisions who, to be fair, would probably struggle to take on a lot of League One clubs. Um, so yeah, I mean, the obvious the obvious thing then is to come down to non-league. I mean, non-league's become very fashionable, hasn't it? Recent, you know, in recent years. Um, I mean, me, you know, myself. It was only a few years ago that I started going because I wanted to start taking taking my son to to live games, and you know, I've never looked back since. And it, it has become become very fashionable with 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 fans that want to go to games that can't afford to go to to go to a, a football league or a Premier League ground and it's as you say it's becoming quite fashionable with with foreign owners that can't can't quite play at the top table so they they come they come a bit further down and yeah that does you know that does unbalance the playing field and you know whether whether you agree with with Eddie Britton or not you know 
it's not going to change. Um, this is this is just how it's going to be from now on. And you know, as off air before we started recording, you know, we agreed on the team of the week this week, and just goes to show that you don't have to be full time to be able to achieve something. You know, as uh, as we you know as we'll talk about later on with with the team of the week. Um, don't have to be full time to to be successful. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, you know, look, I don't I don't know the budget of any club, let alone Bath City. But you know, maybe the conference prem. Uh, sorry, the Vanarama conference now is uh, is out of Bath City's reach. But you know, if you get a good manager and you get a good young crop of players, and you know, if it all comes together at the right time, then then maybe you can you can get up there and 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 compete. And you know, you look at. The likes of of working and Dartford in the in the conference, you know, they're still part time. They're doing they're doing it on a on a budget and they're sticking to it and they're and they're competitive at that level. I mean, okay, it might be in in the lower reach of mid table and even the you know in the fight and relegation, but you know they they're in that division on merit. They're staying there. They're not there because of other clubs going out of business. Um, you know, they're they're there on merit. So you always get clubs that book the trend. Yes, the money. We'll have a say in the long run, uh, but you know it, it doesn't doesn't guarantee that you'll get out of out of the league. It doesn't guarantee success, and <coughs> I, I do have I do have some sympathy with him. But you know what what can you do with the state of the game today? You know, it just this to me just kind of goes to reinforce the uh, the whole safe grassroots e petition that's that's doing the rounds again at the minute. You know, if we if we can get to the Premier League, if clubs to to send some money down this way and level the playing field out a little bit, then maybe those smaller clubs do have a bit of a chance if they've got that income to fall back on. Otherwise, you're always going to get a club that's going to overstretch. And, we, and you know, Salisbury, Hereford, Macclesfield, Vauxhall Motors, Worksop, all these, all these clubs that we've seen in recent times, you know, it's just going to keep happening. I'd be amazed if, if at some point this season we don't, we, don't, we don't talk about three, four, five, six clubs that are, that are in trouble. You know, it's just unfortunately, it's it's just the way of the world these days. No, unfortunately, uh, that is the way everything goes. I've just had a little tot up um, on my reckons. At least half of the clubs uh, in the conference at the moment, I've seen within my lifetime, have been in the league uh, at some point. And you do, there are some big clubs, or big names, um, and big clubs really, but you look at like Lincoln, uh, Halifax, Barnet, Wrexham, Kiddy, Macclesfield, Aldershot, Grimsby, Torquay, Bristol Rovers, you've, you've got these big clubs, so I, I see his point that it, it is becoming harder and harder, and it isn't a de facto um, extra division to the league, but is it because that's how it needs to be to get in there? And when you get into the football league and the spoils and the money that there is there, that you need the structure in place before you get there. And so is it that the clubs who are looking at becoming professional in the long run are professional um, <clears throat> as we speak? And I know it, was, it came as a shock last season to a lot of Stockport fans when they got relegated from the conference down to the conference north. They took the step of saying, no, we're not full-time anymore. And I believe Alfreton did that last season as well, saying we're not full-time anymore because they found it unsustainable. So that's adding credence to 
A.D. Britain's um, arguments, but thankfully at the moment, the Herefords and the Salisbury's are the exception, which is why we can talk about them a lot, um, rather than the rule. And you have, basically within a lot of the divisions, you've got two leagues effectively within the division itself. So in the conference, you've got the people who are actually aiming to get promoted. You've got the people who are aiming just to stay there. And then you've got the people who are just aiming, well, anywhere, somewhere mid-table, as high as we possibly can do. And But it's I see that in the Conference North as well. There's some clubs that have got budgets which are unbelievable to me of 10, 12 grand a week. And hold on, you're supposed to be a part-time football club playing at step two of non-league, that's 12 grand a week on wages. That's a huge amount. And so it is filtering down the want to get ahead. And yeah, I think there are plenty of clubs that are overstretching themselves. And it's the old, they risk everything. And then, well, don't worry, somebody else will have to pick up the pieces. Uh, As we've seen with uh, Hereford, Um, we've missed last week's programme. But uh, for those who have been probably hiding under um, a deep, dark cave somewhere who don't know that Hereford's uh, CVA has been rejected by their creditors. So it's very bad news for the club uh, because as far as um, leading insolvency practitioner Mark Landsman's uh, concerned, he wouldn't advise anyone to invest in the club. And unless all debts are paid, they will go into liquidation. And it touches upon this and leads into a story that was sent out about the fact that the football conference, only the clubs, collectively in the football conference, only owe £25,000 to the HMRC, which, bear in mind, there are 60 clubs. That's uh, not a huge amount. But... HMRC was the major creditor for Hereford, who got thrown out, and they had debts of £170,000 to it. So it's a bit of a, well, are we debt-free? Well, yeah, we've kicked off the person who had the most debt. So it's really bad news for the Bulls and their supporters and everybody down associated with the club. But um, according to a message posted on their website... Uh, which was dated the 12th of August. Um, The former manager and assistant manager are trying to wind up the company, and if the CVA is not accepted, on the 1st of September, the company will cease trading, and a 90-year-old club will disappear. Um, Good news for them, they they seem to have a good start to the season on the pitch, and they're still playing, but uh, obviously we're looking at this from a financial point of view. It's just absolutely no good, is it, James? No, I mean... You know, just touching on on quite quite a few issues. I mean, as you say, you know, Hereford were the major the major club in terms of owing HMRC. As you say, it was somewhere in the region of one hundred and seventy thousand. And I mean, it it just struck me as when when I heard about the um, the twenty five thousand pound combined debt, and I think I think that's between two clubs. I mean, I'm not sure which which two clubs they are. The Earth. HMRC that twenty five thousand pounds, but 
you know, I, I heard an interview with, with a guy and he, he was really pleased with that. And my first thought was, yeah, because you just, you kick out clubs that owe that money and you dump the problem on the league below. And, you know, Hereford, I mean, let's be, let's be blunt, it's not looking good as, as of, well, this time next, well, will it be this time next week, a week tomorrow, week Monday as we record? It's, this club's going to, you know, it's going to stop trading. It's going to, it's going to cease to exist. And, you know, this is a, this is a grand old club. Is as he said, it's ninety years old, and they just, I don't know, they just, they kick them out, which you know, is, is the rules of the conference. But to to then gloat and say that your your member clubs only owe twenty five thousand pounds to the HMRC is, it's just laughable for me. Is that? And I mean, the the situation at Hereford is, isn't well. It, it's it's as messy at least as um, as the Salisbury situation um, you said there about the uh, manager Martin Foyle and his assistant uh, one of the other major creditors um, to, to blame them is a little harsh I mean if they're owed money they're owed money you know if, if I was owed money by a company it wouldn't bother me if that company went bust in, in order to pay me if, you know I've put the I've put the hours in I've, I've worked there I, I'm you know I'd want to be paid what I'm owed but you know, it's just the same old, same old, isn't it? It's the fans that are going to suffer. It's the fans that will set up the Phoenix Club. Um, you know, it just it do it, it does bring Eddie Britton's comments into into some sort of perspective. Uh, you know, clubs do overstretch, but in you know in Hereford's case, the only real reason they can own oh HMRC one hundred seventy thousand pounds is because they've never paid the tax, and you know that's that's the people that run the club that are. They're at fault for that. That's not down to any former manager, player, official, or supporter. You know, that's down to the people that run the club. And we've said it long, you know, many times, <laughs> pretty much every week. I think now, you know, I have a mortgage. You know, we all have rent, we all have mortgages, we all have bills. The first thing you pay is for the roof over your head. First thing a, a football club needs to pay is is its tax. It needs to pay the government. And if it doesn't, you 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 fight a losing battle and. Yeah, I think I think we're in the uh, the last knockings here as far as Hereford are concerned. Um, it's uh, the first of September. I think could be it could be a sad day in that part of the world. No, I think it will be regardless of what happens, whether they manage to pay it or not. Um, it is going to be a new era uh, from the September going forward. Um, I only hope for the players and the staff and the people involved with the club uh, that they're able to get on and move forward and continue <clears throat> with the work that they've started because the people who are there are, are not necessarily the people who caused this mess to begin with. But it then now, comes... The, just, just, sorry, just a quick yeah. one there. I mean, you, you're saying about this um, this uh, insolvency practitioner, this Mark Landsman. He kind of contradicts himself, doesn't he? Because he, he says, unless all debts are paid, the club will go into liquidation. And then in the very next breath, he says, if I was advising, I certainly wouldn't suggest anyone pay the debts. So he's saying, one hand, if the debts are not paid, then the club is gone. But then he's saying, but I wouldn't suggest that anyone pays the debts. So it obviously runs a lot deeper than just, just that HMRC debt. There's obviously a, a lot, lot more under the under the surface that we don't know about in terms of, you know, of what's owed. Because it, it, that reading between the lines there, that means that, Clearing just that HMRC debt isn't enough to uh, to keep the club going. It's, it does sound like there's you know there's a lot more a lot more brewing under the surface there. There's a lot more road. 
No, I, I think that's what he's saying. He's basically, he doesn't want anyone to invest in the club um, and only the people who are there can pay off the debts because he, he couldn't, as a person, suggest that it's a viable business. But to make it a viable business, somebody's got to take all the debt on and, and that's where the issue becomes. And that's where I was going to move on to is that it's the problem we have nowadays when, if you look at the number of clubs, they're all limited companies and the whole structure of the way that business is supposed to work is that limited companies should prosper and fail without anybody really getting worried. And what we've got here is we've taken it away from the fans. When you look at like Portsmouth or you look at uh, AFC Wimbledon or you look at FC United and Manchester, the fans are so involved there, it's not... a. It, it's not a company in the same way and it's not shareholders that you've got to go with. It's the people on the terrace who own, I own my seat, it's my place that I own, I will vote and it's more like a cooperative, which is that a better way to be? Because I know a lot of the Phoenix clubs actually form themselves in a fan base, fan-owned club and I know there's some talk if Hereford do go under that the fans' supporters' trust step in and become the money men and they model themselves on a fan-owned club, which gives everybody more feeling towards wanting to help out and wanting to do it because you've not got some faceless man in a suit in the boardroom making the decisions about, oh, yeah, let's let's get another player in and forget to play our tax bill or will sack the manager and not pay him anything. And there's too much of that goes on. Um, the mention of Salisbury City, um, really, it's a strange situation, to say the least, because the FA have released their um, statement, um, basically in response to... Information on salisburycity-fc.co.uk, which is an, an unusual th- step from the FA to actually publish in response to um, a website, uh, rather than going through and uh, just publishing it as part of the normal procedures to actually make a press release stating they're publishing it, which was interesting reading. I don't know whether you had a chance to read it, did you, James? Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's, it's quite an unusual step for them to um, to to go, you know, to issue a, a rebuttal to to a, to the website. But I mean, you know, you read those Salisbury City statements, and you know, what was the term used? Uh, I think they said they were monumentally stitched up by the FA, and you know, I, th- I think to be fair, the FA probably felt like they had to come out and say something here, and you know, and reading it, it it, it does. You know, they say we, you know, they rec- you know, the FA recognises the importance of Salisbury City within its community and is exploring all feasible options to attempt to secure a position for the club in a league. But you know, that will be dependent on the club being able to meet, you know, entry criteria. Um, I know, I think it was the Wessex League said they they would take them, but you know, when we last spoke about this, of course, that was two weeks ago. They were already a fortnight into their season, so you know, they're now a month, a month in, and I. I I don't really know how how you'd fit a club in into the league now if they're if they're going to be what half a dozen games behind as we stand now. Um, 
let alone when this whole sorry mess would be sorted out. And given our notorious winters, you know, you'd end up with Salisbury playing every, every day towards the end of the season just to get the games played. So I, I'm not, I'm not confident that that Salisbury are going to are going to find themselves a, a league to play in this season. Um, because of course, you know, they haven't got any players either. They've no manager. They've no players. So. They they would they would need two or three weeks to sort themselves out to get a squad together to get a manager in and and then all of a sudden you're into into the realm of, of 10, 11, 12 weeks into a season that you're going to join a league. It's just not it's just not feasible this season for me. Now it's gone far beyond it for Salisbury to be able to enter a league. Um, but you know, I mean, look, the FA need to be seen to be responding. I think in this case, you know. I don't think they would have done had it, you know, had it not been for those. I mean, there they were pretty inflammatory statements that Salisbury put out there, and you know, I haven't checked recently, but I'm sure they're probably still on the website um, even now. Um, so I think the Football Association, I think they have to be seen to be to be uh, responsible and respond to those. And you know, they've they're just trying to get across that they they've done the the due process and. You know, and, and that their hands are tied. Really, the appeal board, this, you know, issued its findings, and they're final and binding. And regardless of, of what people at the club think, then you know, well, what more can be said? They've got no, they've got no argument, have they? If, if they've gone through, you know, the FA saying they've gone through more than four hundred pages of of submissions of, you know, from from various parties and. Well, that's that, isn't it? It doesn't matter what the what the clubs say on their website. You know, they've they've obviously whether they thought they'd managed to get the club off 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 Mr. Toza, they apparently they they haven't. And yeah, it's just uh, it's just another mess that's gonna gonna rumble on. I feel, but as I say, you know, we're far too far into the season at, at Wessex League level for them to be able to enter that. And you know, whether whether they successful in what they actually want to do and get back into the conference. So reinstatement is, you know, that's another matter, but I definitely don't see that happening either. No, it's, it's a sad situation and it's one of those things where people are thrashing around trying to get things sorted, but it's your heart ruling your head. They must really understand that the FA won't have just made the decision to, uh, spite Salisbury as much as they may believe that it's a an awful thing but uh, there's not really a lot else the FA could do based on the information that they put forward in the board uh, as far as I can see yeah the, I mean for me both Salisbury and Hereford uh, I mean it, it it's they're not my club so it's easy for me to say but both of them for me would probably be better off now you know Starting again, um, you know, I said it before with other clubs. You know, you, I think I said it with Darlington at the time. You know, when when the fans turned up with a, a suitcase full of cash and it didn't help save the club. You know, they, they would be better off putting that money towards starting a new club. You know, far too far down the line. Certainly with Hereford, and it doesn't look like Salisbury are any better. And um, you know, maybe maybe the answer is to to become a Phoenix club and be fan owned and actually have the community at the heart of the club um, because I think a lot of clubs tend to get away from that a little bit you know going, again going back to uh, going back to the the Eddie Britton thing you know it's, you, you get these millionaire owners in that 
then don't deliver on their promises like it's happened at Salisbury and you know look look what their fans are going to have to go through now yeah it's it's a definite thing um such was uh, the same sort of thing devastation uh, uh from a different sort as they saw at Hell's Owen town when uh, they've been suffered a burglary just before the first game of the season uh, last week on the uh, 18th was the uh, the report published but it's an awful situation because their man well their chairman had already spelt uh five grand on ground improvements ready for the season and now they're all left counting the costs after somebody broke in and stole cash and televisions and we've seen this a few times because we spoke about a couple of clubs last year who suffered the same similar sort of fate and I really can't understand the minds of the people who are going to do it knowing the predicament that a lot of the clubs around the area are in and then they go ahead and do this. Yeah, as you say, we talked about it. I can't remember the club, forgive me, um, but you know, you had clubs like FC United, didn't we? Uh, donating donating things to them. Um, and Whitby Town did. Was it, Whitby, uh, it was Whitby, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, um, FC United donated some tellies and uh, Whitby um, made some um, that's right, fan yeah. stuff for them. Yeah. It, you know, I mean... <laughs> They they won you know they won the league they won the league title last season and you know they're looking forward to the to the new you know a new a new season um, I think they were they were due to play Belper Town and you know and the thing is with you know these criminals they they think oh football club they don't you know they won't miss this they've got money they can you know they can replace this it's fine I can I can take this and sell it to pay for pay for whatever it is I needed to pay for or can use it myself but you know that you know an only club can't afford these sorts of these sorts of things you know Hales Owen had already spent a few thousand pounds just you know touching up the ground a few in few little improvements ahead of the ahead of the campaign and you know to for them then to have this you know I mean the, the television's all right doesn't it doesn't sound like a big thing but of course you know, if if they had, you know, if they had their Sky Sports and their BT Sports subscriptions in for the season, and we're planning on on, you know, on a Saturday like a lot of clubs do, you know, you open your club at, at what eleven, twelve o'clock midday and Getting show the early game, early game that's on before before your own game and hopefully get some fans in spending some money instead of watching watching that game in in local pubs. You know, you get them into the ground early, you get them spending money in your bar, and of course, if you haven't got the televisions. You know the, the loss of takings could be could be very significant, and you know it's just mindless thugs that just have no you know they have no respect for for anyone or anything you know. And bear in mind the, these thugs would presumably be from be from the local area, from the community, and you know the damage that this can cause a club is you know it's just devastating, as you say. And you know in in that part of the world in Shropshire, um. You know, hopefully there'll be if there might be a couple of clubs in the in the neighbouring counties that might just do a similar sort of thing that we'd be in an FC United did, and and maybe just try and help you know replace a couple of couple of TVs or whatever damage was done. You know, maybe maybe a couple of local businesses can can help repair the damage and and they can get back on their feet quickly for this. And 
you know, let, let's hope. But it's just the mindless, you know, mindless activities of, of a few little criminals, and it's, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna cost them thousands to to try and put it right. You know, it's yeah. not it's not what they needed going into a new season after winning the league title. No, because they were they've moved up there uh, because they were due to play Belper and. Uh, yeah, it was Frickley Athletic from last season where Whitby and FC United and Manchester helped That's out right, yeah. uh, to get them sorted as uh, far as that is. But I, I just don't understand it. But as you say, it's everybody thinks, oh, they've got money, they're a football club because they see the TV with these million-pound players uh, a week being driving around and uh, nothing, nothing doing with it. Uh, Something that moves to another end is actually the chairman paying um, the players. Oh, sorry, of course he pays the players, but actually paying fans to come to uh, watch a game, uh, which is uh, quite an interesting one, um, which uh, is uh, fairly local to me. And it's a non-league side called Hull United FC, where the chairman was going to pay £2 to every fan who attends the first match, uh, which is uh, quite an interesting way. They're in the 11th tier, as uh, far as the uh, Hull Daily Mail call it. And uh, Yeah, um, you say it's in your, up your neck of the woods as well. They've obviously uh, uh, Robin's, Rob's from Hull as well. Um, yeah, this is Jamie Waltham, the chairman of, of uh, Hull United, who... Are a new club uh, in in name. Um, they were called St Andrews, I think, before he he, he saved the club. Um, he, you know, he bought them and renamed them. Uh, they play in the Humberside Premier League. Um, and yeah, for, for yesterday we're recording on a Sunday. Yesterday's game um, against Head and Rangers, um, I think it was was he he basically you know yeah he said. You paid two pound to every fan that came in the hope they, to get fans along, and it certainly worked because they ended up getting four hundred eighteen people into the ground, which is a, a Humberside Premier League record, and is you know is a lot more than you find at a lot of clubs, a damn sight higher than that. I know it's it's more than we we get at Hampton on uh, most most match days at the minute. Um, so you know it cost him what eight hundred eight hundred thirty six pounds, but. I know they were they were surveying at the time, and I think they surveyed on that, you know surveyed the fans on social media after the game, and quite you know I think he said up to half of them are, have said they'll come back, and you know the fact they won five nil on the on the day as well will will help certainly, but you know it's a, it's a novel way. I know they've got other other things planned. They say um, it's not always going to be paying paying people to come and watch, but I know this they've said. Um, that they're going to do drinks offers and, and things like that. Um, basically, basically, the £2 that he was paying fans to attend is, is going to be their normal admission price, which, you know, two quid to go and watch a game of football, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And especially if, if they're putting together the results that they seem to be doing, I think it's, it's fantastic. And it seemed, I think he's quite a young a young guy he used to play for North Ferriby, I believe. Um, did uh, Jamie Ooh, Waltham? Um, I think I read. Talk, can't talk about them. <laughs> yeah, the little village team. Um, yeah, but just yeah, got I top think, of the I Conference hope, North. Yeah, I think Hull United could be um, 
could be an end to watch. I think we could see them rise uh, one or two divisions in the uh, in the not too distant future. And, but it, it's always great when you get a, a novel a novel idea from a chairman. It's you know it's it's these sort of people that we need in non league. Yeah, he's he's really uh, pushing the boat out because Hull itself, you've got Hull City who are desperate for a new stadium. They're full almost every week they play. And so as far as that's concerned, he's tapping into the people who can't get tickets, not necessarily they can't afford it, uh, but they can't get tickets because it's physically the ground is full every time they're playing. Um, and so... I think it's a novel way to tap into that market. And as you say, you get people there. He's got 800 people. Even if only half of those come back, or sorry, even he's got 400 people, even if only half of those come back, that's a fair amount for the level of football they're playing. You're looking at your Darlingtons and people like that who get thousands at low levels, and you, he just looks at that and says, well, what can go on? Because I know... Um, off the top of my head, I think that 400 fans are more than what North Ferriby will have gotten um, in their last game, and they're top of their league. And so it's a it's a very interesting thing. It's a bit too far for me to travel, um, especially as I'll be on a team coach uh, interviewing players and trying to put together match programs. Uh, so I really won't have a lot of time to go there, unfortunately. It, it kind of. Um as well, I'm sure it's perfect timing, isn't it? With you know, with all the all the name change controversies and things that are going on at, at Hull City, so it, it's it's almost um, kind of like an FC United type situation, isn't it? You could quite easily see if they start doing well, you could quite easily see a lot of uh, a lot of City fans maybe starting to turn up instead of going to watch to watch the uh, uh, Hull City. So it's. Um, Timing-wise, I think it's it's absolutely perfect. And you know, if, if I was in the area, I'd certainly go along and uh, and see them. And I'm sure when uh, when Rob's back uh, back in the homestead, visiting family and friends and what have you, I'm sure he'll probably uh, get along and watch a game. And uh, hopefully, if he does, he can uh, give us a little report on it. Yeah, it will be, will be nice. It'll be interesting to see his take on it um, because, as I say, I know he's heavily involved. Uh, with his supporters over there at Hull City as well. So it be a very interesting story. Um, coming down to one which is a bit of a shocker, really, when we referred to it all last season as the Calla League half the time. Uh, but the Southern League do not have a title sponsor for the forthcoming uh, season, which... Is a bit of a shock and also a bit of a blow uh, for all the clubs in there who it's not a massive amount they'll get from the central pot, but they will get some from the league sponsor as well, as well as just things like training kits and the other bits that get put through. So it's a bit of a shock that uh, nowhere is going, um, no one's going to sponsor them, but also. I c- the struggle to find any information about what's actually happening uh, with the Southern League is uh, found very tricky, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, we've you know the the, the first story that we that we managed to find was on um, you know was on a Hereford United um, independent website, uh, Bulls News. Um, I, I did, I think I did see it in the non-league paper this week as well, but 
as opposed to online, it's it's very hard to find. I mean, as far as I can see, there's nothing on the on the on the league website. But yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking, you know, step three and four is, you know, it's the the big leagues and especially with with a club like Hereford in there for well for <laughs> not for long, I guess. But you know, it, it's got some good teams in there, and you would have just thought that. You know, I mean, you know, could could Evo stick not off, but their name on it for a season? You know, could have picked it up pretty cheap. I would have thought now, the sponsorship and you know, even even Theo Cafetis with Ryman could you know could could he not have uh, maybe just you know thrown a few quid there and would have been you know would have been a Southern based league as well. You know, down down this down this way, and I do think it's um, quite bizarre that. A league so high up hasn't got a sponsor. You know, I mean, I know last season it was very last minute, wasn't it, when Skrill came in to take on the conference? But yeah, it's it's quite a, quite a shock. It's and as you said, the, the big shock is that it, it doesn't seem to be bigger news. Um, but it's going to have a massive impact on the on the on the member clubs. And I remember when the when Skrill, you know, before they took over the uh, the sponsorship of of the uh, conference in the north and the south that. Um, I know clubs were really worried because they relied on that money. And if if we're talking about clubs in our top two divisions of of non-league are relying on that money, then you you can be uh, you can be sure that the clubs at step three and four certainly need um, need this this money. And it, it could have a I, I wouldn't say it would go as far as to put a club in financial trouble, but it could certainly go to restructure an awful lot of. Uh, an awful lot of budgets, and you know, might just have to see uh, see clubs cut their cloth slightly differently this season. Um, you know, and as, as their chairman Ken Turner says, you know, it's an absolute priority that they find a, a sponsor for next season. Um, it does sound like they had a national company lined up to take the sponsorship, but they've apparently pulled out in uh, towards the end of end of June. Um, so, whoever that was I'm sure we'll probably never find out, but yeah, it's um, it's not uh, it's not a good situation for for all their three divisions. I'm afraid it's a little bit of money that isn't in their pots. No, it's another thing where it's strange and say the the things haven't gone through. There's a bit of buzz on Twitter about it uh, now because. Obviously, the people, especially it's mainly from Hereford fans, who are the ones who have broken this news, and uh, they seem to be saying it doesn't uh, doesn't bode well. But uh, they're then saying, well, what happens if the Southern League folds? Um, what happens to all the clubs in that? Then it's a case of well, everybody's got to reform and everything goes wrong, and. So I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where we can only hope, um, and I can only hope that things get sorted out. But the Southern League don't appear to be putting any news out themselves to uh, say what's going on and to allay anybody's fears. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure if it, it's a good standard of football, it's a like I say, it's step three and four. I'm sure if. You know, it wouldn't take much to get. You know, even if they had to sell it cheap, some money is better than no money for for the league themselves and for the clubs. Surely, 
it wouldn't take long to find someone who'd be willing to, to stick their name on it for a, even for one season. You know, it'd be publicity. It'd be now. It'd, be, it'd probably be cheap because you know, I'm sure the, the league would probably take take it pretty much any offer going. But I do I do wonder why why it's not a bigger story than it has been. It it, it should you know it should be dominating the headlines on non league non league websites. It, this is a big a big league at our level you know it's one step below below the conference divisions it it should have a title sponsor i think it's unbelievable that it doesn't yeah it's it really surprises me that they say there's nothing anywhere and the only people who seem to be making a fuss about it are the uh, hereford united uh, fans um but they've got their own Axe to grind, as it were. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what situation it is over the next uh, twelve, uh, next uh, sorry uh, week. Um, but uh, there were some goals. We've got to play catch up as well. So it, we'll see what happened in the hat trick watch. Round about now, it's time for hat trick watch. Once again, uh, thank you to uh, Libby for putting this together. It's awkward as uh, there were a few websites, as per usual, don't bother getting updated, and even struggled with the football web pages this week, I believe. Uh, so uh, we'll start, I think we'll start in the Conference South because Conference North and the Conference itself had absolutely nothing. Uh, but. Uh, Gosport Borough, who were, they did very well in the trophy last year and they also suffered in the league somewhat. It seems to be getting off to a bit of a better start as they won 5 0 away at Western Supermare and uh, Justin Bennett grabbed a hat trick. Uh, in the, just before scoring, just before the start of the, or the end of the first half, and then grabbed a couple more in the second half. So I'm not sure what the, they've been feeding those guys over the summer, but they definitely seem to be in a better stick than uh, they were last year. Yeah, um, as you said, they did very well in the trophy. Um, you know, got to the final. I, I was lucky enough to be to be at that final, and you know they had a, a great day out there. But yeah, I mean they're lying fourth at the minute in the in the conference south, so it's a, it's a very very good start to the season for them. And you know, yeah, Justin Bennett. Uh, bought a hat trick in just over just over the half an hour in 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 game time either side of the half time and well, so Western Supermare have been in Conference South for quite a while so to win go there and win five nil is you know it's a it's a it's a big old win. It uh, I say it's really surprised me when I saw that one come across uh, my radar this week. Uh, another one that surprised me um, in a nice way again is uh, we're looking at Evo Stick North, Division 1 North, and there was a 10-goal thriller between Mossley and Harrogate Railway, but only one hat-trick, and that was for Steve Foster. These are from last Saturday because obviously we missed them. Um, Fernando Moke, uh, Droylston. Now, remember how Droylston were relegated, I think, in early February last year from the Evo Stick Prem. Um, it's good to see what's happening there. They won 7-1 at Bamber Bridge with uh, Fernando Moke grabbing a hat-trick. 
Uh, yeah, they, they, Droylston, just for the record, they would have been team of the week last week, I think, for that for that win. Just just because of what they've, you know, as you say, what they had to go through last season. You know, and the season before. Pretty much every game. And then tweeting out that they'd won one when they didn't. Yeah, it was it was everything that went. Um, interestingly, in a, as an aside, uh, Hyde are on nil point after four games as well. Uh, so it's a deja vu from last season for those guys at the minute. Yeah, um, but they uh, they do they're doing all right on their on their Twitter though. They've got nearly forty four thousand followers. Well, that's because probably to keep entertained while they lose. Yeah, I remember a... when we when we talked about the that that Twitter account at uh, some point last season. I think they only had only had about twenty five thousand, so they're still yeah. gaining followers at a fair rate. But uh, I, I I was just looking at some of the tweets over the uh, preseason with the trialists, and then he made up names of movie stars to say who the people were because he obviously didn't know who they were, and so you had Harrison Ford and people like this playing for him. Yeah, I think he did. Um, didn't he do some like political figures or dictators or something like that as well in one game? I think or something, something strange he did as well. It's uh, yeah, it's a good good account to follow. Yeah, definitely. I I would urge everyone to go and follow that because it's so funny. Um, Gareth Seddon of Salford City, uh, the uh, class of ninety two Salford City, he uh, scored. Four, well, he scored in the 4-1 win at home last Saturday against Scarborough Athletic in 10 minutes. And I think we decided for a 10-minute hat-trick, um, almost perfect, because it was on the 60, then the 66th, and then the 70th. It would have been nicer if it was 65th minute. Um, that uh, I think we decided he's the player of the week, which is going to cover last week and this week, because unfortunately his hat-trick was last week. Uh, you agree with that, don't you, James? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Salford, uh, of course, as you say, because they, uh, they've got the Class of 92 connection now. Um, they, they're riding high now. They're the top of the league, uh, three wins from three. Um, it's it's all looking good for them. And I've seen Gareth Seddon play in the flesh when he was at Halifax. Um, good striker and... He's going to bang the goals in at that level, and I would certainly, uh, certainly, fancy uh, fancy Salford to to take that division. Even though I don't think they were the team that I uh, that I predicted would. No, I <laughs> we we will be revisiting those halfway through, just so we can mock each other. Uh, <laughs> um, one final hat trick was yesterday uh, for Farsley Athletics. Uh, um, Aidan Savory, uh, he scored in the 5-0 victory at home to Padium, uh, which was a nice hat-trick for him. The person who I nearly would have said, if we hadn't have missed a week, would have been player of the week, was uh, Nathan Watson in the Evo Stick South, uh, where he plays for Lufford Dynamo, who beats Kidsgrove Athletic. Uh, Kidsgrove, if I remember, were re- one of the reprieves last year. Um but Loughborough beat them 5-1, but he had a penalty in the third minute, which he converted, and then scored two within a minute at the end, in the 89th and the 90th minute, to complete his hat-trick. So just for the sure stickability uh, to get through and do that, I would have uh, given him Player of the Week this week. 
Um, and then we've got a couple down there in the, the Ryman Prem uh, for yourself. And I think VCD appear to be finding a bit harder with the big boys. Yeah, they're. Um, I think they they're down there, down there with the mighty mighty Hampton. I think down towards the bottom of the table. Um, yeah, Tommy Whitnell, who's been around at this level for a long, long time. Yeah, he got a he got a hat trick. Um, may have talked about that one already in an earlier episode, I think. But he got that quite quickly in thirteen minutes. Um, one player that I do I do know about because he he ripped us apart. At Hampton, uh, not long ago, is David Knight of Wingate and Finchley. He uh, he got a hat trick in a four 0 win against Bury Town um, on the nineteenth of August. He got his uh, his goals in the sixth, seventeenth, and fifty ninth minutes. And as I say, he he absolutely tore us apart at uh, at the Bev um, not so long ago, earlier this season, when you know. One of many teams that have come come to Hampton this season and scored four goals uh, every game so far at the at the ground. The opponents have scored four, so yeah, it's um, he's a he's a great little player, and um, I just I just wish he was wearing a Hampton shirt. Yeah, he's. Uh, I f- I feel for you because obviously we went through last season with not getting any points at the first six games, so you've still got a couple to go. Uh, but hopefully it'll get turned around very quickly. Well, by uh, the time people listen to this, it could be six because we play Met Police on Bank Holiday Monday afternoon. So I'm thinking positives. <laughs> uh, down there in the Ryman North, uh, Jamie Forsham grabs a hat trick for Wroxham as they beat Cray three two away. Um, but he scored in the first minute, which is always a, a nice one to start with. But uh, then uh, Craig started to come back, and hopefully the uh, well, Roxham held on there to the end. Um, there was one uh, in the well, it must be the Southern League Premier Division now. We can't call it the Cala Prem, uh, where Ryan Blake of Chesham United, uh, a nice six-goal thriller uh, home to St Neots, uh, but he, he grabs all three goals for Chesham and St Neots managed to equalise each one of them. Uh, so that was always a, a good game to see a lot of that. And once again, the Cala Central looks like some of the strikers down that way have uh, shaken off the uh, pre-season rustiness with uh, four sets of hat-tricks in the uh, preceding week to where we've just been with uh, Doobie Ogbonna of Kettering Town. Uh, they won 5-0 at home to Northwood and uh, he wrapped his, his hat-trick in about 29 minutes. Uh, Zach Reynolds of Aylesbury, he uh, was uh, instrumental, I'd say, in the uh, 4-2 win at home to Egham. So, uh, crack on with that one. Four minutes, he scores his last one four minutes into injury time at the end of the game. And then Jack Mazzoni, um, I never pronounce good Alming right, because I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. Uh, Godalming. Yeah, that, that place. <laughs> And uh, they they were to Aylesbury United on the sixteenth, and they he scored a hat trick, including two in two minutes uh, in the seventy sixth, seventy eighth, to uh, grab the win for uh, Godalming. And uh, Bill Healy of Hanwell Town scored three goals in the five nil annihilation of Bedford, uh, Bedford, Worth, sorry, Bedworth uh, United, as uh, 
they ran out, Hanworth ran out 5-0 winners. So it's another really goal fest in the Caller, well, the Southern League Central are starting to uh, give us what they want. Which, and this is the thing, it's an, it's an exciting league. Lots of goals, lots of things to talk about. And you wonder why nobody wants to just stump up some cash. Yeah, it is a it is a fantastic league. I mean, I used to um, obviously you you know regular listeners to the show will know that I've got a, a soft spot for Ashford Town, who unfortunately got relegated out of uh, out of the Southern League Central last season. Um, they're doing quite well though, just as an aside in the uh, in the combined counties. I think they're fourth at the moment. But yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic league, and I, I don't think I ever saw a goalless draw in any game I was at there. There was always at least three or four goals. It's you know, if if you're nearby a, a southern the southern prem or southern central, southern south and west team, get along and watch because you you will you you know you, you're almost guaranteed goals. It's a it's a superb league to watch, and I can't I, yeah I just cannot understand why someone isn't sponsoring it. It's it's madness. No, it is a complete and utter madness to me because in the the final games going to talk about the Calais South or sorry the southern south and west. Um, there was 11 goals in these two games. And so you just think, well, who could? Well, But mind you, I would have thought the fans of Bishop's Cleave may not have been that happy uh, as the fans of Didcot Town, as John Mills grabbed four goals in uh, their 5-0 annihilation last Saturday um, at Bishop's Cleave. So not good news for Bishop's Cleave. But um, once again, goals galore as uh, Lewis Haldane of Yate Town yesterday grabbed a hat-trick away at Schloen, uh, which once again, it's both of those are away. So to actually go to uh, Bishop's Cleveland or Schloen to get the, get the win, let alone do it in the fashion that both of the teams did, is a very impressive way uh, to go through. Yeah. Does, does that name ring a bell to you, Lewis Haldane? Um, not off the top. He used of my to he, he used to play for. Um, he had a long long time at Bristol Rovers. He back in well from two thousand and two to two two thousand and ten. And it's just when I saw his name on the hat trick watch, I was like, I know that name. And yeah, he's also played for for Oxford and Port Vale, and still only twenty nine. So you know, he's, they've got themselves a, a striker there. I I would imagine we've been mentioning him a few times in this feature this season. Yeah, he may have a good career there. So I've just uh, just had a quick look because, say, Lib does these eight years at Bristol Rovers. Never know, he may be going back there, whereas they've dropped down. So yeah, I mean, he is primarily a winger. I mean, but you know, at that at that level, he, you know, he's going to. Uh, I would imagine he's going to bang some goals in. That's a that's a fantastic signing for you. Yeah, and it's only only begun. What we four or five games in, and he's already grabbed a hat trick. So you can't say fair in that good return for him. And uh, yeah, if you if you ever do see a hat trick uh, that we miss out, or you want to get a special mention for any guys or any match you've been to, uh, just please give us a tweet either at, at Non League Pod or uh, at Libster Clark, who's the person who puts this all together for us, um, or at Under the League. I'm sure that uh, James will be able to uh, make some notes for us. Absolutely. Um, Cracking on because uh, we're we're nearly at our time, and I think it's no managers as far as I'm aware, and uh, I've not seen any 
come across but we are still in the first month so it is unusual to start this early without uh, it being a resignation uh, so uh, and finally the part of the show where we take a look at the lighter side of non-league send any suggestions in to add non-league pod or at under the league on twitter let's see what we've got this week over to you james okay so uh this week's story is actually from, from last week, would have been last week's and finally. Um, sure, most most people are, are aware of it, but it, it was uh, just one of those stories that, that tickled me. Uh, Lincoln City, we're down to, uh, going down to down to North London to take on uh, Barnet last, last weekend. Um, unfortunately for them, it was a, a bit of a strange day. Um, their team bus that was scheduled didn't turn up um, due to, I think it had broken down or they had problems or something. So that didn't turn up. So the players and staff had to had to drive them themselves down in their own cars down to London. Um, and as a result, they were unable to take the uh, managers, Gary Simpson, unable to take the uh, the tactics board that he would normally use uh, for a game. So uh, you know, as all good managers can uh, can think on their feet, he. He decided to use the pre-match snack of uh, Jelly Babies to set out his team's formation and tactics, and he did this on uh, on one of the kit lockers uh, in the dressing room and the, on the on the BBC uh, Lincolnshire on the BBC News local site for Lincolnshire. There's a there's a lovely picture in the dressing room there of him uh, setting out his uh, his formation with with Jelly Babies. It's just um, one of those little stories that did tickle me. And uh, let's face it, could only happen in non-league. Yes, um, it it was an amu- well not amusing for them. It's still very surprising um, what happened because I was talking to our radio links um, commentator at where the ground we were at, and he just said that Lincoln's bus hasn't turned up, and through no fault of the club, it should be stressed. Uh, it wasn't anything to do with the club, uh, but they got down there and actually they won two one as well. So the Jelly yeah. Jellybee really helped because it was against Barnet. So uh, I know we mentioned Barnet a few times last year for what you could consider the wrong reasons, uh, but this this year they are were doing pretty well. And uh, one, I think the top of the league weren't they at the time, Barnet. So um, yeah, it was a fantastic victory and. I think uh, I think the uh, the tactics board is probably on eBay around about now, and you'll be using jelly babies from now on. It would. There's one little thing from my point of view. The picture on the uh, Lincolnshire website uh, is accredited to Ben Tomlinson. I wonder whether he got fined by the club for using his camera in the uh, <laughs> for using his phone in the changing rooms because I know at our club we have uh, lots of little rules like that. Phones get switched off uh, t- uh, half an hour before the, uh, you go in to get changed and all that sort of stuff. So I just wonder whether he uh, got fined. And also looking at it, there's no opposition. Did somebody eat them? <laughs> you got to buy the heads off first. <laughs> well, that's what they did. They scored two quick goals and uh, held on to one, two, one. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a way to be. But uh, um, all the best for that, and hopefully they'll be able to work that through and sort out the problems with that. It's 
been good talking to you, James. Um, what about you up to this week? Um, well, unfortunately, I'm working Bank Holiday Monday, so I won't be able to get to a game. Um, so hopefully, I'll be I'll be at Hampton next week to see to see the first home win after after they smashed our local rivals Met Police on Bank Holiday Monday. Hopefully. Um, but yep, as in terms of online, you can always uh, catch me on Twitter uh, under the league, and uh, also on Facebook at under the league. And the website is underleague.com. And it's been great talking to you as ever. I missed last week, so uh, been good this week. And bring on next. No, I I missed it last week. Apologies to all our listeners. It's uh, it's hard for me to. Uh, get this when I was at work till 8 o'clock and James starts at 3 o'clock the next morning and Rob didn't get home from work either so it was all a all of a mess but we're back this week um, hopefully Rob will be back with us next week he's having a bit of family time um, which he thoroughly deserves as uh, everybody's been separated all week um, I'm off to Geisley tomorrow um, they're in second a lot of people think they're going to do well Um I think they probably are, but uh, our goal of the season was scored there last year, as voted for by our fans, so uh, hopefully we'll get something again, uh, although our main striker is injured and our, his striking partner is injured, uh, so it could be some uh, young lads up front for us. If you spot anything, you can always uh, tweet the show at Pod. You can also tweet Libster uh, Clark if you are looking for a shout-out for a hat-trick or anything that goes through. Uh, but really, it's the... Go on to iTunes, leave us a review, um, tell your friends about us, and subscribe. And we'll speak to you next week.